grad scientists and where to find them. Seriously misunderstood creatures. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Hello, 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 uh, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to uh, Grad Scientists and Where to Find Them, the podcast that talks about grad scientists and where to find them. I keep surpassing myself in, the, in this intro, it's awesome. So my name is uh, Maël Mochamp and today I am welcoming two wonderful and uh, very talented researchers. First I have Sad. Sad, welcome. Thank you, Maël. Pleasure to be here. So can you tell a bit, bit more about yourself? Sure. So I am a PhD student in my fourth year and in mining and materials engineering department and my research revolves around investigating sustainable energy system for underground mine heating. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I also have Sam. Sam, hello. Welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself as well? Um, I'm Sam. I was, uh, I'm in my, I'm about to finish my first year of my master's in the chemical engineering department. I did my undergrad here. Uh, I'm, I was born in the States, but I'm mostly from Latin America and uh, I've been here for almost five years now. Awesome. All right. Such uh, an interesting guy. Such an interesting guy indeed. We will learn more about him. Well, why don't you start then uh, talking about what you're doing as your researcher here? Um, so my research is in the chemical engineering department, but I'm doing uh, modeling, so computational research. Well, my thesis is the thermal properties of gas hydrates using density functional theory. So I'll break it down. So <laughs> Yeah, because for now I just have understood nothing. So the thermal properties that we're interested in is specific heat, uh, thermal conductivity, thermal expansion, uh, heat capacity, those sorts of properties. Um, gas hydrates. Gas hydrates are a crystal structure that forms when you have water and gas under high pressure. So normally under high pressure or under different conditions, water will form ice. And there's a specific, very common structure of ice. And if you happen to have gas molecules near that, you can form an ice structure, but it has gas molecules trapped inside it. And so the original interest in this molecule comes from oil and gas industry because it would plug pipelines. It's essentially these huge chunks of flammable ice because they have natural gas stuck inside them mm -hmm. um, that would plug them. So that's where the first interest comes from. But right. then there's some interest. Uh, can you use it to sequester CO2 because you could put CO2 in the cages or uh, also to transport Hydrogen, because hydrogen is so small, many tanks, it'll just diffuse through the tank if you're not under liquid form, because it's such a small molecule. Right. But if you can store it in these hydrates, it might be better to um, transport. S safe or... transport, you mean? Because hydrogen is pretty... Yeah, it's 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 a little bit more. It's it might be safer just because it might hold the molecule better than you. You need less like uh, heavy tanks or uh, right. super cool stuff. And then density functional theory is the third part, and density functional theory. Is so it's called a first principles method, and so there ideally there's no empirical data in the simulation. Ideally, you put in the atoms that you have and where they are, and it knows how many electrons each atom has, it knows uh, how many protons, etc., and it will solve Schrodinger's equation to tell you um, the energy of your configuration. Right. And so if you have a more stable configuration, it has a lower energy than a less stable configuration. Yes. And so all of this is completely simulated. So there yes. is, so how then do you, I guess maybe you're going to go to there after, but then how can you translate 
results that so, you get from a simulation to... So, so, so basically, for this scale, the kind of properties you're looking at are... They're not like... You're not looking at time-dependent properties. Nothing time-dependent. And you're, the way you would translate it is, for example, we know that thermodynamically... So you use very basic definitions. So the bulk modulus, which is a measure of like how strong a material is or how resistive it is to compression or tension... We know that it's the second derivative of the energy with respect to the volume. That's so you might simulate a couple different volumes of your unit cell. So it's getting squeezed and compressed. And then you take the second derivative and you get the bulk modulus. And then you can compare that to real life experiments where they actually tried to uh, make a specimen and crush it or expand it and get value. So you're looking at a very molecular level for material properties. Yeah. So, so like that's, so yeah, it's, it's, you're looking at a very small level. It's not bulk material properties. It's like. You know, yeah. more like nanoscale, very like or even yeah, further atom than scale. Than, like, oh, atom yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason this could be interesting with for gas hydrates in particular is to make most gas hydrates you need high pressure and low temperature. Mm -hmm. And if you want to let's say measure thermal conductivity, you need to make it in something. You need to pick it up out of that piece of out of right. that piece of equipment, move it to your thing that's going to measure thermal conductivity, and it's already started to. There's already gas that's leaving it. It's already melting. It, it's changing configuration. Uh -huh. That sort of thing. So it would be good if you could simulate it or simulate different structures and then decide what to test in the lab. It's very hard, for example, to measure thermal conductivity. So yeah. to find that kind of data, you would compare it to macro measurements of, of uh, sand that contains hydrates maybe. Right. And then you would try and compare it to the thermal conductivity of sand. And then from that, you could extract like maybe what's some sort of conductivity of just the hydrate. I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you you know, determining these properties for different temperatures? Like, is there a temperature-dependent so, element to it? So or? the first step is to do it at zero Kelvin, which sounds wow. really... Which sounds... <laughs> so, 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 so at first you're like, oh, there's no... So what that does computationally is that there's only, in theory, one state your electron will be in. It won't be... Uh, when you add temperature, you add disorder, you add en entropy. Right. So then your electron can be in, in different places and you can still have this uh, favorable... Equilibrium. Yeah. So the first step to determine like an equation of state, you might look at the zero Kelvin properties, which are easier to calculate. Mm -hmm. And then you would try to get the thermal expansion and see, okay, what happens if I start to add temperature? And so the problem is, as soon as you add temperature to your simulation, so you increase electron disorder, your simulation time increases drastically. So it's already very tough simulation. I do about 100 to 200 atoms in my unit cell. And then I use, the program uses math tools to uh, consider the periodic boundary conditions. So it's not just one unit cell, it considers like the bulk. But even that, I could wait like 10 hours, 20 hours for results for one simulation. Yeah, and the I computational add, time is basically because it's the time of the electron. Because uh, you have to resolve the whole motion of the electron. Well, what it's doing more, so dense, without going into like, crazy details of the, mm -hmm. the derivation of density functional <laughs> yeah, theory. Yeah, but it's basically, you have the Schrodinger equation, and in it, there's something called the wave function, which is a characteristic of the electron, but yeah. it doesn't have any uh, physical meaning to us. But we know that it's uh, sort of multiplication by its complex conjugate, whatever. <laughs> um, it, it's more a, and more and more. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a density. It tells you the probability of an electron being in a certain position. And with the order of the electrons, or where they probably are, you can determine what the energy of the system is. Right. So you can look at prop like bonding properties. You can mm -hmm. look at 
the extensions you use because you, you study um, the electron distribution, you can look at scattering. So infrared, Raman spectroscopy, mm -hmm. uh, all these kinds of scattering properties. You could try and look at vibrational properties, nice. optical properties. Uh, so it's mostly electronic properties. You don't look at uh, things like uh, surface tension or you don't look at uh, miscibility or anything like that. It's too small scale. Right. Um, so it's very ideal, but the super ideal case would be all the computational power and you could simulate uh, a big cell and uh, put impurities, do the real world simulation. But so I said this was like, there's no em empirical parameters, but that's not true because that would be very costly from a computation perspective. So what are the empirical? So they're like, um, you start to say, what parts of my atom are involved in bonding? Just the valence electrons. Right. So then you have to approximate how the core electrons contribute to overall charge and so forth. Mm -hmm. So you make... So you use existing models to do that or empirical data. Uh, so all these are, are based in, in reality. Like you say that, okay, I'm going to change the shape of this the curve, but I'm going to make sure that it's integral. So uh, the charge is right. still the same. Yeah. But a lot, some of these are less based in physics and others. Some of them are just like, I'm going to pick a cutoff radius and you just pick it and you optimize everything. Arbitrary. And use it. Right. Ar yeah. So there's some of these things too, these, these kind of gaps where you make approximations to help your computation be faster, mm -hmm. where actually now like machine learning could be really interesting to apply in wow. these. So like probably the next people in our group who studied DFT would probably look at using machine, machine learning in that because then you could you could start to refine some of these parameters that could have been fitted for elements but now we're looking at molecules or these parameters were fitted for mm -hmm. uh, having good results for uh, band gap calculations but they're not good for vibrational properties so right. you kind of optimize with something in mind but they're not right for, they're not the best parameters for other things. Gotcha. Back to your question about comparison to like experiment. Um, it'd be really hard to measure the energy of your unit cell. I mean, we get our the atomic positions from, from uh, like uh, neutron scattering right. information. You could get some sort of average energy, but in the lab, there's temperature. There's mm -hmm. so many things that could be happening. Small really vibrations, uh, you know, something falls yeah. or whatever, like, uh, so much so many tiny things that are hard to control and so from that perspective density functional theory is really good really easy to control with simulation but right. at the same time it it's very hard to get it to get harder with high temperatures yeah and it, but so that's why it's hard to get it to reflect the real world right but for some of these properties it's really good for some of these it's less good um so it it really depends what property what approximations you have to make yeah very very technical uh, podcast so far. Uh, just I hope no way it'll get hope uh, people who are, are not that that much into um, molecular stuff and uh, chemical engineering will still have a a, a blast. Doing a good job for motivating <laughs> think... them at least. Molecular dynamics and they you know even further down. It's a lot ZMT. of physics. Yeah, it's just so much physics. It's it's like. No very almost not unrelated to chemical engineering but like i'm not uh well the applicant the hydrates part is pretty relatable. yeah 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 but i'm not but like then what you're doing is like you're doing stuff at a very very fundamental level yeah that is somehow related to hydrates but it's there's a long way to go yeah yeah it's it's like physicists got together and developed the software that will solve schrodinger's equation find the charge find the energy right. and then 
we use as engineers, we use those tools to try and like, uh, what is this property or is this structure stable or can I use this structure for something else? Right, right, right. All right. Uh, so what about you, Sada? What, uh, what, uh, what is your research? Yeah, so my research is, so I'm working on development of numerical model uh, to optimize a renewable energy system called spray freezing for yeah. underground mine heating and cooling. Again, it's quite a mouthful and I'll, I'll, I'll try to break it down a bit. So in Quebec, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a local problem to Canada and other colder regions where mining is a big thing. Russia is, is another uh, big example of this, where in winter it gets really cold in northern areas where there are mining sites. So let's take Quebec, for example. Val d'Or, if, if you've heard of it, it's a mining site. Uh, they have two big mines there. Uh, one of them is gold mine, if I'm not wrong. Uh, better not be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this but, is not, we're not in an official setting. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't be totally wrong. <laughs> so yeah, in Val d'Or, it gets really cold in winters there. Uh, I'm talking minus 40, minus 50 degrees Celsius. And so the mining, uh, the underground mines there, they need heated air to function properly. So for example, the, a lot of piping system and the water supply system that goes under down the mine, it passes through the surface. If you send in cold air for mine ventilation, it's going to be a problem because mm. it's going to freeze off the pipes and those pipes are going to uh, you know, block the water flow or whatever important in order to address that, what they're right now what they're doing is burning propane to heat up the air and send it down. But propane is very expensive. It's an expensive proposition to transport in winters. We're talking about up north, like the infrastructure is not as good as big cities. So alternatively, um, what we're investigating is, is a renewable, a local renewable energy system that could supplement, if not completely replace, the need to burn propane. And how it works is it basically utilizes the geothermal potential of the ground. So no matter what the temperature is outside, the water underneath the ground, it's going to stay in liquid form because of the geothermal energy, right? So what we do is we, we pump the water up to the surface and spray it on top of cold air. So the cold air comes into contact with the liquid water. So consequently, what happens is the liquid water freezes off, turns into ice because the air is cold. Minus 40. Water is of at course. 8 degrees Celsius, so it's, it's going to freeze. And in turn, it emits latent heat of fusion because of the phase change. Uh, and it heats up the air in the process. So the air that was at minus 40, so after passing through the water and freezing out the water, it can be heated up like up to minus 1 or minus 2, let's suppose. Which is uh, sufficient for which is, functioning. Which is sufficient for functioning, yes. It won't freeze your pipes. And it, even if it's not, even if you can't heat it up to minus 1 or, or the required temperature above zero the need to heat a propane is reduced significantly. So that's the applied aspect of it. This is, it's not a new idea. Like it has been implemented in fruits to mine in Ontario in the 90s. People started doing it, but then it never caught up because it had some practical issues. Uh, first, one of them was because you need big trenches to store the ice. I mean, where would the ice mm. go? Yeah. You know, so you got to build big trenches because the process wasn't optimized for uh, optimal thermal uh, exchange so they just built it based on their rule of thumb uh, estimates so it it had problems with regards to the storage of the ice and other operational issues so that's what we're investigating on my research it's it's how to optimize the process of spray freezing so that the maximum heat transfer is achieved with minimum losses possible but or, what what happens if if you're 
let's say you're minus 40, so your driving force is pretty big. But what happens is you get, is there a problem if you're at minus five? Is it suddenly like you need to spray a ton of water? To, so uh, that's a good question. So it won't work at minus five or it won't work as efficiently as minus five. Yeah. Normally, like in winters, uh, minus 40 is, of course, it's it's like on the colder spectrum yeah but if it's even if it's minus 20 or minus 25 which is pretty much like most of the january feb Feb, march april up north it's it it works pretty well and the good thing about this like what we're trying to work up is to come up with a system that you know you can somehow store that ice convert it into ice slurry ice slurry is another uh, application in mining engineering which people do to cool down in the summers it's basically we want to switch it towards a seasonal thermal energy storage platform where in the winters what you do is you store the ice and in the summers like you convert that ice into slurry and use it to because that same mine in the summers it's going to require some air conditioning yeah and they have these bit portable air conditioning equipment that they use so if you can somehow build a you know come up with a system such that the the storage of the ice is uh it's it's sort of like a pipeline or or you know like Basic idea if I'm throwing it out there. In fact, one of our collaborators in Vancouver, they're, they're building an experimental setup. Uh, they recently got a grant from Canada Foundation Innovation and they're, they're trying to build it up. So what if you line the surface with the heaters? Okay. So like the ice would sort of, uh, to make it slush in a slush form, that mm-hmm. is easy to transport and easy to carry in pipes and easy to store and then use it later in the season for, you know, for cooling so yeah that's the applied aspect but what i what i do is i work on uh, like i'm trying to numerically simulate the process of spraying and freezing spray freezing in general so it, it requires a lot of computational fluid dynamics uh, there's a lot of heat transfer uh, fluid flow discrete particle modeling and uh, we've, we've also delved into some analytical modeling of droplet freezing as well that's that's one of the area that we're working on we're pursuing as well so it's a combination of analytical modeling of the droplet freezing probably extending it you know statistically so you model the freezing of single droplet and statistically extend it to a spray configuration uh you know because getting the particle size distribution the diameter Mm -hmm. distribution you can extend that easily and you know calculate the bulk heat transfer and then on the side we're working on developing computational fluid dynamics model as well for the whole bulk system and try to match these two and see what we come up with and of course, a big chunk of it is optimization as well. So there are different parameters to optimize. I mean, one is flow configuration. How should spray fall on the air? Should it be cross flow? Should it be counter, you know, counter flow or parallel flow? Or, you know, there's a lot of flow configurations that are needed to be tested. And also spray parameters as well. What should be the diameter distribution of the sprays? What should be the floor of the sprays? At what pressure should the nozzles operate? Uh, so, so, and what should be the floor of the air? Like what are the ratio of these two? So, so yeah, that's what we're. So in a sense, you have on. like conceptually, you're doing something very similar to Sam, just like sort of on a like different scale. Uh, of. yeah, I mean different applications, different scale. Uh, we use similar resources, definitely. Yeah, that, that's more what I was saying. Yeah, uh, so uh, just using simulation that hopefully exactly. then will be able to be translated into actual. Uh, definitely, definitely. Field work. So we have like our our goal is to you know course verify our simulation our numerical model and validate it as well using the field experimental data that we have so that's one of our main goals. 
All right. Well, uh, actually, since uh, both of you do work on this type of work, so working on simulations, uh, maybe I was thinking we could elaborate a bit on what what is it to be working with supercomputers and simulation instead of direct uh, like field data. So, so it's quite different from what other researchers uh, are used to. Yeah. So first main question that I would have is, what's your routine as a as a grad student? How because for example we would. How do you, well, okay, let me cut that one. So, uh, yeah, what's your daily routine? How do you investigate things uh, instead? Because you're not testing people or cells or whatever. Right. What do you do on a daily basis? So if on a daily basis where I would be like running simu- running jobs, running simulations, first of all, there's no, we don't have a lab. We have a computer lab and it's like not... That's a lab, Sam. Come yeah, on. but it's not like I call it a lab. It's not. It's not like. like a, I don't have a lab coat. And it's yeah. no lab coat. We we have yeah. we have a first aid. I don't kit, know why it took not... Vimis in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a first aid kit in case you like break your finger. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Stuff. But so so we yeah. we I go. Ergonomics in. is a big thing, Mael. <laughs> don't make fun of. I am not making fun of. Back injuries are the leading cause of office injuries. Oh, yeah. In North America. Oh. All right, let's stand up then. (laughs) So I just, I go in, depending depending on what I'm trying to look at, I I do pre-processing. So I have a work, the workhorse is this this program that we use that runs on the supercomputer. And uh, I do pre-processing. So I tell it, I go and I I do the same way you might set up an experiment. I want uh, these, these conditions, this much, this many atoms, I'll set where they are, that sort of thing. What I'm investigating, if Mm -hmm. I'm investigating, I'm... I'm crushing my system, then I'm going to put all of them closer together. Uh, but then beyond what you would do for an experiment, I also have to tell it what kind of algorithms am I going to use. There's like I have to figure out which mathematical tools I want to use to perform my problem. Because if I know I'm close to the lowest energy configuration, I can tell it, hey, go faster, you're close to the right answer. But if I'm far or I'm testing a new system, I need to tell it use a robust algorithm that might take way longer. So I do pre-processing and then I submit the job. So I submit the job through the computer to a supercomputer. And so uh, so I decide how much I want to use. And so these supercomputers are like, uh, they're by the government of Canada or by schools and you get certain amount of time, certain amount of core years on the, on the supercomputer. So it just means like if you use a lot of time, you're going to go to the back of the line when you submit a job. And if you use very little time, every time you submit, you'll go first. So I send my job and usually I'll try and time it so that I'm sending a job and I have to wait. I could wait four hours. I could wait 10 hours. I could wait three days for my job to run. But so in the meantime, I have other simulations that have run already and I'm doing data analysis. Just plan it accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, If you plan accordingly. So like on the weekend, on Friday afternoon, you try to send a bunch at once so you can come back Monday and do it. Friday is always a hard day to get nodes. Yeah. 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 So that's another thing too. It's you have access to setups in the, in the physical lab and here it's other people are also using the compute nodes that you're trying to access too. So over winter break, you know, everybody's home during vacation. So the utilization is super low. That's true. In September, everybody comes back. So you submit a job, you might wait a week yeah. before it runs. It's this, it's similar to uh, traditional lab work in that you have pre-processing preparation and post-processing data analysis. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the key differences is the, the like sheer amount of data that you can get and that you have to analyze. Yeah, that's it you can get, get really overwhelming really you get, fast. Yeah, you get you get 
files with millions of data points and you have to decide what's better. Choose, yeah. You have to do, like you were talking about the, the distribution functions. You have to try and like make sense of this crazy amount of data into something that you can relate to. So how does the size change with distance from somewhere? So you I know? guess that's what you were saying, like machine learning algorithms could be of yeah. real help in processing these huge amount of data. Yeah, and it's not complicated data, but it's just it's a just ton a of it. Yeah, yeah, it's cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so from from my understanding, I mean, a lot of it is just getting your shit together and being organized and knowing yeah, what, so what, what time. Pre-planning is, is really important. The thing with the simulations is like this this whole scheduling, like working on HPC high performance computing centers, like Sam mentioned, it's it requires a very diligent pre-planning because like the whole process of submitting your job, by job I mean computational job, and it, it takes time. So if you mess up your, uh, for instance, pre-planning, like if you, let's say, if you miss a parameter that you wanted to get a data on uh, and then you send a job and then you find out like later after you get the results you've wasted like five or six days in the middle for nothing mm-hmm. just for one point so I mean getting your like you said getting it together it's this is important uh, it's like you need to plan ahead on your workstation what are your simulation parameters are going to be you know what are you looking for what should be your because uh, what we work like I work on personally uh, we use a commercial software for computational fluid dynamics called uh, Fluent. And it's like we use our own subroutines to incorporate our complicated models uh, under this the This podcast framework. is not sponsored by this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, by it's way. not. <laughs> Just, <laughs> if you want to send us money, you can. But. They're rich, though. They'll be down. <laughs> but uh, this requires us, you know, to scripting helps, of course. I mean, you, you got to prepare your script. Uh, and by scripting, I mean like all the input parameters to the to your computational software should be laid down in an orderly and systematic manner in 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 a file, mm-hmm. and like what discretization scheme are you going to use? You know what what sort of uh, what kind of output data and in what format are you going to save it? And after how much intervals are you going to save it? Because like Sam said, if if your simulation runs for a large amount of time, the number of data the data points can be huge. And also memory is also an important part. And like, you know, we request for different al- different nodes on this this parallel computing system. Uh, and it's, it's of course, like if you have, if you request for a higher memory, your wait time is going to be higher. If you don't require that much memory, your wait time is not going to be that much. So it helps to know that, okay, do I need to request a higher yeah, memory and, node? And like, uh, do, I, do I need this much memory? Because, you know, I'll get my node real fast if I don't. But at the same time, like, if you're not careful, like, when you're testing out something new and you don't ask, let's say you ask for 10 hours, but if it could take 12 hours. So at 10 hours, your job is going to stop. Checkpointing, yeah, Yeah. checkpointing is important. So if you get, if you're good or if your calculation permits it, you can checkpoint so you can pick up after 10 hours and resubmit a job. But if that didn't happen or it was in the middle of some process that it can't checkpoint and you're screwed, you know, your your run is is lost. And it's not like... It's free or it's, oh, it's just like computer time wasted. It's like you get allocated this time and time wasted is more time that you and people in your group will have to wait exactly. to submit jobs. So Not even in your group, on the whole cluster. Yeah, so you've wasted cluster time. Your time, cluster yeah. time, everyone else's time. So yeah, you got to be very careful when you send jobs on, yeah, before you send jobs on the cluster. What's the, what's the worst 
have you uh, have you had like a very like bad experience? Oh, dude, I have tons of experience, like, especially the in the beginning, because you know yeah. setting this up was a huge mess. Like especially for our group, because we were like one of the people who were using commercial softwares with the graphic user interface uh, on HPC. So it was sort of like most of the other people. What they do is like you know prepare a script and send it in batch mode, and you know you don't even need to worry about but. For our simulations, it's like they were multi-physics simulation and very intensive. And, you know, we order nodes for like five days. Five days is not unheard of. That's uh, So we had a lot of licensing issues and a lot of uh, issues with the HPC. Like HPC would do, like uh, Gilliman, for instance, that was the name of the McGill cluster before. Right now it's Beluga. They've, they've changed it recently. But uh, we had a lot of problems on Gilliman uh, and problems such as you know, our nodes would disappear. Like if I order a node for five days, it would disappear just after two days. I'm like, what happened? It's just like, so it's the all check- that work vanished. Exactly, all that work vanished. The checkpointing becomes really hard. Uh, and there are like, especially since we, since we required like uh, additional graphic user interface to pre-process our results and, uh, you know, while on HPC and give it like, boundary conditions based on what our results was so i mean that require you to physically see it it, it was like it was uh, sort of not possible i'd say using just batch so these kind of problems were, were really annoying like we lost a lot of computational time uh, wasted a lot of time not not even for us but for the whole other cluster as well so that was kind of annoying. It took us a little bit of time to streamline, especially working with the HPC guys. I mean, I remember their offices on is in EDS. It called Technologics. Technologics. That's where the physical clusters are. Okay. So I remember, like me and my colleague, we were taking these long walks to EDS and you know figuring these out, the the stuff out with the support people there. And then you know there are a lot of changes. It's very dynamic. So like they they shift your allocations. So for example, you're working on Gilliman. And then they tell you, oh, we're phasing out Gilliman. Gilliman is no longer going to be in operation. So you got to move your data on another cluster on the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, and, but yeah, I mean, but and, it's, for you, it's even worse, I find, I find because like me, I'll, I'll submit the, the job. And now I don't, it's not graphical. I don't have to watch it. I'm going to look at the data. But you, you, you have to submit, get they, the, the scheduler has to be like, okay, we'll give you the, the power, yeah, so that you can watch it. But me, I could put it on Friday, and I might get an email like at three in the morning on Saturday, like, "Oh, your job began." So I could see it in the morning, and be like, "Oh, cool." And then six hours later, it'll say, "Your job ended." I'll be like, "Okay, I'll just." Then you pro- no, this is not the case. So we have to periodically look at the like communicate with it. So we use VNC virtual network yeah. computing yeah. to you know uh, to graphically interact with our simulations yeah. uh, on on our end. And it's it requires like constant supervision. We have to babysit them. Unfortunately. I remember for me when I started, I ran about sixty simulations, which I, I don't know how much days that was, but maybe like six hundred hours of computer time, or at least. Where uh, oh, like computer equivalent time, or in, like it was like, like six, it was it was it was way more than I, I I don't know what the number is, but it was probably like. Core days, computer days, like core days of time that I wasted. So what is core days for our audience? Like, so, yeah, so, so if you have, so you have one. Usually, you have you have a node that mm-hmm. has thirty-two cores on it. So the cores are like the individual processors that'll. So that's uh, what you would have in one computer, like in your. Yeah. Or, so your like own in, PC. in now it's common in like phones or PCs at home to have like two or four cores in okay. one 
For uh, example, if the same job was to be done by Miles' laptop, it would it could take like years. You take years. You could take years because <laughs> just to give you. You the, take the yeah, job. You take the sure, job yeah. that could run like in ten hours on one thing, and you split it in two and run it for five hours on two things. Yeah, yeah. But so, so when you get allocated a core year, it's the equivalent of running one core for one year, or running two cores for half a year, yeah. or four cores for yeah. a quarter. Okay. So, I realized that uh, one of the tiny parameters would defaulted to zero instead of like a larger number, which was the amount of steps to take. To relax my structure. Wow. So I would get like it would do seven iterations and then it would stop and be like, oh, we're all done. And then I would check all these different methods, all these different algorithms, the same answers, the same configuration. And I knew that wasn't right. And then I go and I change one thing and now it's like my computer, my per core time isn't 15 minutes anymore. It's like hours because <laughs> I was doing like 1% of the work that I had to do. And once I realize that, I run it again. I get a curve, and it matches like perfectly to what I'm expecting. And it's like, but yeah, you just—I was like, oh well, all that time, I guess, is like, I learned, but you know, it's like, we used it up. But there is certainly like, especially when you start, there's a lot of wastage. Yeah, and, and it's like you're not—you're learning like. So if you've used computers before, sure, maybe you know MATLAB or Python, but then you need to learn, uh, Bash, which is the language exactly. of of Linux, which is the operating system that runs these. But usually. It's all in the terminal, so a lot of times it's not even graphical. So then you need to be comfortable, like not seeing sometimes yeah. what you're doing, and then you need to get familiar with with the technical talk, like cores. Uh, how much memory do I yeah, need? What is hyperthreading? Yeah, what's, what, what is, is what are these? <laughs> should, we, should we enable hyperthreading on our on our nodes? I and mean, like some some software. Uh, so we have somebody in our group who uses Comsol, which is a, a CFD package, yeah. too, and that parallelizes very poorly. So if we take if we have four cores. And we take X amount of time, and mm. we take eight cores. We're not going to cut the computational time in, in half. half yeah. Right now, it's actually just staying the same. But for for what I do, I go from using sixty four cores to one hundred twenty eight cores, and my computational time can drop by forty fifty percent almost, yeah. just because of the way the actual math that it's performing. So yeah, so to to delve even more into like the details you have to look at, it's like. There's a ton of nodes that have 32 cores, but there's some that have 32 cores with a ton of memory, and there's some that have really like point. brand new uh, architecture that your, comp your computation might be able to take advantage of. And then now in the field, it's like the whole like GPU computing, that's like exploding because it's, it's supposed to be really fast and stuff. But now everybody's trying to catch up. So like, yeah. what I use, it's like, well, I can use GPUs, but then my computation will take like months instead of weeks so i'll use like a slower but uh robust system or but you, you the the details that become important are crazy just learning like ram how much ram do i need uh if you use more you can always ask for a ton of ram but like if you ask for more ram than is in the node mm -hmm. physically that memory is not connected to the same computer and so that will slow down your computation like you have to think about like Exactly. That, yeah. You know. So that's the aspect of pre-planning. Like, yeah. Know, it, so it's so much more than just saying I need, I need this much computational yeah. power, so I'll have this many. It helps to plan really thoroughly. You know, sharpen thing. your X, like Abraham Lincoln yeah. said. And you have to, you have to, like, you run and then you check. Okay, did I actually use all the data or all the RAM that I reserved? Because also, if you're doing that, you're 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 wasting. Like you're asking for more things than you're using, so right. somebody else can't use it, and it also it reduces your ability to to wait less time in, in queue. True. And uh, 
You look at also like if you ask for 10 hours of time, but you only use two hours, that's really bad. You should cancel your node. Like for us, for instance, like we order a node, like we cannot submit our jobs, like, you know, in bash form. Yeah. So we have to physically, once we order the node, we log into VNC and then we, we use the, phys- the yeah, software yeah, yeah. and then run the computation. So it, it helps to, you know, plan your time. For example, if you're not going to, if I order my note tonight and if I get my note tonight, you know, it's going to be idle for the 12, yeah. 12 hours. Yeah. So you can, you know, plan it so that your note begins at a certain time in the morning or you'll be in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just little, it's like, so it'd be the little things that. It, I guess it would be the equivalent of like running a lab experiment that you know takes four hours, but starting it at 6 p.m. Because that means like it's gonna finish at 10 p.m. So you got to be there at 10 p.m. Yeah. So I I don't have uh that's not a real like big problem for me because if my job finishes at midnight, I don't care. I'll just like check it in the morning. But yeah. since you have to do like interactive work or you know like uh, people who use console too like they have to, it has to be interactive. Exactly. So they need to ask for this power, and then the the algorithm they use needs to say okay it's your turn. Yeah. And you need to hopefully be there and it needs to not be two in the morning <laughs> exactly. or whatever, you know, it's like. Exactly. Yeah. Right, it's well, getting a lot technical. Eh? Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> we should well, probably dumb it down for our audience. <laughs> well, uh, since we're talking about, you know, being organized and stuff, uh, I have invented a game that may be a total failure. I said from now. Wow, man. Um, so way to motivate us. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that will all be all me, but I'm sure we'll no, have I'm a lot kidding, of fun. Even we'll, if, have fun if, we'll have fun. We'll have fun. Um, uh, have you guys ever played RPGs, role-playing games? Yeah. Uh, role-play computers games, or yeah. tabletop or whatever. So I've tried to do something that's like, you know, kind of on that vein, but very quickly. Okay. So you're playing the role of two students, Sam and Saad. So you're two students and you're working on a project together. Okay. But at the same time, Sam, uh, has, uh, a paper due tomorrow. And Sada has an exam that he has to study for tomorrow. And they're both kind of late. Uh, so basically, each of these, these three tasks, say it's like three chunks. So like, right. Like you have to complete like sort of like an intro uh, part and conclusion or whatever. Like you have to do three things to uh, have your thing like complete. For the project. For the project, for you, the need pro- to, you need to fulfill three tasks. Okay. For your studying, there's like three main chapters or whatever. Okay. That, that's just uh, sort of to, to keep track of what's happening. So... Basically, you're going to have to like make choices and go out through your, through the day and decide what you're going to do and we'll see how that affects if you've managed to do your project, your exam and and your paper, etc. Wow. So our paper is also due like tomorrow and the project is also due Everything tomorrow. is due tomorrow wow. morning. Sam, so goodbye. that's the thing. And so basically <laughs> I'm going whenever to the library, decide, Sam. Whenever you decide something, you I'm gonna roll a dice that's gonna basically determine whether or not you're successful in what you're doing. All right? Okay. So we're gonna start with uh, Sam. So Sam you're waking up, it's the it's early morning. Uh, but you had a really tough night last night. You're pretty hungover. So what's what's the first thing you do? You're out of bed. I will make my bed. You will make your bed? Yeah. Okay, that's a relatively Jordan easy, Peterson a relatively easy task to do. Okay. No. You want something like harder I would do later no, on? So what the, do you do oh. after you make your bed? After I make my bed, uh, I will probably go to the kitchen and start thinking about breakfast. Yeah, basically cooking time. I'm either going to cook breakfast or breakfast and lunch at the same time. So you want to so like cook something right now? Yeah. Do you want to cook breakfast and lunch at once? 
Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so since you're pretty hungover, it's going to be relatively difficult. So you basically need, so it's a, it's a 12, so it's two dice of six. So because you're hungover, you need to go above eight to be successful at cooking. Okay. Otherwise, oh, you will not have a lot. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Where do we get? Oh. And you got a five. So lunch is completely burnt. <laughs> so you don't have a lunch for today. Darn. All right. Now you have a choice. Um, are you gonna stay at home to do your work, or are you gonna go to your lab? I'm gonna I'm gonna come to the office to the lab. You're gonna go to the lab. Yeah. Okay. So basically, if if you stayed at home, it would be much easier to get lazy. So you would need higher dice scores to to succeed on your task. Okay. But since you're at the lab, you have you need low lower stuff, but there's more chances that somebody comes and disturbs you. Okay. So there okay. may be unwanted events. All right. So now it's now time to see if Sad. Uh, is up or if My you want to go routine. for you for All your right. do you want to do you want to study for your exam uh do you want to like start writing your paper or do you want to call sad to start working on the project okay um is it still morning is it it's still morning oh. it's like early morning i'll probably wait i'll probably wait to call him i'll start working on my stuff all right so you start working on your stuff so you're at work so you want you only need to get above five to uh okay to to manage your first uh well, you've got five. I got five again. So perfect. Let's say that works. So Sam managed to do the first part of his paper. Wonderful. So that was not our project. That was your paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's still the morning. That's his own. So yeah. All day. Cool. Yeah. So Sad is waking up. All right. As well. Uh, now, Sam, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay at home or are you going to go yeah, to I stay at home in the morning for okay. like I work. and. Okay. So everything that you're going to do, you're going to need to roll above uh, an eight. If you want to succeed. Wow. Yeah. Oh. An eight or above. So. At a certain time in the morning. Like, I mean, early morning would be at home. Mm -hmm. But I, I'll probably go to the office. At if you want, at any time, sometimes. if you want to move, you can, you just let okay. me know. Uh, so, uh, so what's your plan now? You just woke up. What are you going to do? So I woke, I, when I wake up, I'll probably, you know, go to the loo. You know, leave myself. Let's just let's just avoid all the you know very, the, the tiny details we don't task. need. We don't like, a trivial task is fine. Let's just okay. go. We don't have that much time in the recording. All right, all right, no worries. So, uh, I mean, I'll I'll probably make breakfast again. I mean, lunch should be prepared the night of. So oh, you prepared lunch already? Yeah, that's already prepared. A, that's yeah. this guy. He has his shit figured out, man. <laughs> all right, so well, perfect lunch is ready. So you won't waste time on lunch. Exactly. Awesome. So what are you going to work on now? So I'm going to open up my computer. Okay. You know, at my home and remote remote desktop in my work. You're going to remote desktop? Okay, well, yeah. we're going to have to roll the dice for that. Uh, is there not, is there going to be connection problems? Let's see. <laughs> my internet is so pretty home. sturdy. You're at, you're at home. That's the yeah. problem, right? So it may be hard. You have to go eight or above for this to work. <laughs> It shouldn't be that. Oh, it's six. Seven, six. Oh, oh so it's six. damn. So, uh, for now, computer uh, Remote desktop doesn't failed. work. Uh, oh. Is there anything else you want to do then? I think, I mean, all of my work stuff is at my... Well, you, you can't know, because you can't I log can, in I can't, so I'll work on my exam. Then. All right, you'll work on your exam. Well, let's, let's roll the dice for that one and see if you're actually successful okay. at that. Okay, let's do that. Oh. Oh, it's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I fail again? Listen, you failed again. Okay. <laughs> right, Time so, to go to the office now. Yeah, so you completely wasted your morning. You just <laughs> were, were, com were completely distracted all along. So you're moving to your office now? Yeah, right, I gotta, gotta, you know, gotta run. 
All right, Sam. Um, so it's uh, late, uh, late morning. You may have time to cram uh, a bit more work. Um, what are you gonna do? Late. Oh morning. wait. Oh, what is this I hear? Oh, it's one of your lab mates who just want to do conversation about what happened last night. Uh, what do you want to you want to talk to her? Or you want to try to to dismiss? Dismiss. Dismiss. All right. Let's see if you're efficient at that. It's a three, so you're way under. Uh, what was it? Five. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Jeez. So uh, she, you just, I'm impossible to get her off. It so keep talking. Annoying. So that's Can't listen to her. end of the morning wasted. So we're we're it's lunchtime now, and only Sam has managed to do a third of his paper. Nothing has been a success yet so far. Dude, so both failing, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see. The dice uh, is not in our favor. <laughs> um. Uh, what? Uh, let's go back to Sad then. So you just yes, arrived please. at work. Uh, oh well, it's lunchtime, but you have brought your lunch, so yep. that's good. Uh, do you wanna? What do you wanna do while you're having lunch? Are you just gonna chill? Or you wanna I'm gonna probably send a feeler to Sam and see where he's at. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Well, let's call Sam. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Where does he need five now? Uh, yeah. So office. yeah, it works. So you need you need five. Five. Oh well, you oh, got a ten. ten. Cool. All right, so you're Where calling was the Sam. Ten in the finally, morning. Finally, a connection uh, with Sam. So good, awesome. So actually, just over good. lunch and a bit later, you you managed to to have the first part of your project. That's nice. Nice. But uh, the thing is that Sam, uh, after that, uh, all good talking, you realize that you still haven't had lunch, right? Because yeah, you didn't manage to yeah. get good yeah. lunch. So what are you gonna do? Uh. I'll uh, flip a coin to see if I uh, go to the close Vins or if I or if I go to to uh, the super sandwich dep and pay close to nothing for a big sandwich. You want to flip a coin? All right. So say like two to two to seven, uh, you go to Vins, the the close one, and uh, seven yeah, to twelve. Yeah, from 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 two to seven, I'll go to Vins, and from eight to twelve, I'll go to super sandwich. Okay. Oh, All right. Super it's sandwich. eleven. So you're going to super sandwich. Uh, so because it's far, uh, it's doing quite a, quite a good amount of time. So it's already like mid afternoon by the time you you, you get back to work. <laughs> uh, it's not but, that far. Uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of waiting line, you know. Oh, and, okay, okay. and like he, the guy ran out of uh, of uh, of ham, so you had to wait. Fair. But in the meantime, sad. What are you gonna do? Sammy's not here. He's waiting in line. He's not here. You can take the risk and start so working. So since our, our project went pretty well. So you have a f you one know? part out of three. You can try to do it without so time. I, well, I have the momentum. Pizza. You have the momentum. So I'll, I'll continue. You'll continue working on that? Yeah. Okay, well, let's see. You just need higher than five, man. Oh, uh, another 11. Okay, well, cool. perfect. Actually, so you're on so a roll. Out of the park, said, Exactly. So second part, you do it well. You send it to Sam. He manages to read it while he's eating a sandwich. Okay. It's perfect. He doesn't have to change anything. So that's two, awesome. two, two out of three parts. done. Mm. All right, so we're uh, yeah mid afternoon. Sam, one of uh, one of your lab mates just uh, wants to ask you if you want to just end the day early and go for drinks. He's pretty persuasive. What do you want to do? Do you want to come with him? Maybe you'll do some nice encounters there. No, I'm. I need to work. You're gonna say you're gonna say no. Okay, well let's see how that goes. I need five. Of it's five. a five. Perfect. So very quickly he managed, He just says, okay, it's fine. I understand you have to yes. work. So he's leaving. That's good. So that leaves you time to do some work. What do you want to work on? The project was sad. The project was sad. All right. Well, let's try to see if you can finish it. 
Woo! Oh, nice! It's a nine. All right, so Good your project, job, guys, is terminated. You can work on your personal work, Sad. Wow. So Sad, same thing actually. One of your lab mates just want to go for you to go for happy hours with them. Let's tell if him you, to take if, a you hike. if you try to dismiss him, you can try to dismiss him, but you might waste more time trying to dismiss him than if you just went for one drink with them. Because they're very persistent. Oh, then people. one leads to another, and then to another, and then to another. And, That's you know, also a you, possibility. If you go down that road, it's it's a... Yeah, the so, dice might roll that you drink more. It's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, That's I'll take my chances on, pers- on chewing him away. Okay, let's try to chew him away. Oh, it's a two. no. So, oh, uh, God, I gotta he go just, with him? He's not taking no for an answer. So you have to go with him. All right. All right. I'll, I'll go for a quick drink. All right, let's go for a quick drink. It's, you know, it's late afternoon. It's not the end of the day yet. Yeah. Uh, so you get one beer, and now it's time for the other beer. Yeah. So I'll tell him. Do you want to go for I another got a word, mate. I got an exam tomorrow. You got an exam tomorrow. All right. Well, let's see if what you are quick enough to ask for the bill before he is to ask for yeah. another round. You're not that drunk yet, so it's going to be relatively easy. So you have to do above uh, five. Oh, it's three. Oh. <laughs> Dude, what All the right. hell? That's bad, man. So you're getting on another no round. No chance? In another round. It's going to be going to get more difficult. Now. You want to leave for real. But okay, I'm going to order a non-alcoholic beer for another round. Ah, that's a pretty pretty smart. Okay, so non-alcoholic beer. Uh, so you're still remaining at five. Trying again to order a new thing? Yes, please. Let's go. All right, you're five. doing five. Perfect. You Good get job. out of the bar. Without Are you going hammered. home? Are you going home now or are you going back to your office? I'm going to the office to work on, you know, my exam. Perfect. Uh, and now, actually, it's night, so you have much more success rate because really, it's very quiet everywhere. No, so you have four. to do above four to be successful. Awesome. Let's see what you do. Not a three. A five. Good. Cool. Perfect. Here's the first part of your exam that you can, that you manage. Sam, back to you. How far am I? In my you have one third of your paper done. Okay. So le- le- the, I'm actually offering you an option there. Uh, either you decide to go like super hardcore, but you risk you have the risk to be exhausted. So you can try to f- to do two parts, but the success rate is gonna. You have to do nine or over, or you just stay and you do one part with a success rate of five or over. And so it's evening, but you know, I'm a hard worker. I could stay, so I'll do just. One part. One part? Yeah, okay. you know, might get dinner or something. Yeah, I was thinking about dinner. Oh and my it's a three god! Sad. So, it's impossible. There's just this YouTube video, man, that you just can't <laughs> help watching. It's just this goat video where like, they're making all this, they're laughing, you know? Oh man, it's too good. So, no, that's not a successful evening so too far. It's starting to, to be dinner, dinner time soon for both of you. So you got to your office, you got some work, but it's dinner time. What are you going to do? I'm going to probably go to the nearest A&W. Mm. Sounds A&W like a... University Street, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, this A&W. I know that around that time is pretty busy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really known to mess up their order. <laughs> um, so let's see if you'll be successful. What does this. he need? What does he need? Let's uh, say you need a seven. Why? No, no, no. Sorry. Let's say you need a five. <laughs> Nighttime. And it's a five. You're like, <laughs> it's you're good. All right. So you really too. waste no time. So you get directly another role. Can you work on your exam right now? Oh. And it's a seven. So, all right. Two thirds of your paper done. Roll. Uh, it's uh, now Sam's turn. Same thing. Uh, dinner time. You can decide to push through, not to have dinner, but uh, basically all your capacities are gonna be harder. So you're gonna have to go above a seven for everything instead of five. Um, you know, 
don't need to retain this information. It's just a project paper. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have dinner. You're gonna have dinner. Yeah, so I can work after dinner. All right. All right. Well, let's have dinner. Uh, your dinner goes pretty well, but uh, now it's 10 p.m. Oh, oh shit. So it's gonna be relatively hard for you, Sam. Sad. Uh, two thirds uh, done, you're baby. Basically, uh, you have basically done two thirds of your thing. Right. Uh, so you can pull an all uh, an all liner, and if you succeed at your all liner, you're guaranteeing uh, you're guaranteed an A at your exam. But if or, you pull an all-nighter, I'll be sleeping in the exam, man. So that's why it's going to be really difficult. If you pull an all-nighter, you need to to do nine or above oh, because oh. all-nighters are not healthy. Uh, or you can just try to study efficiently in the two hours you have before midnight. Uh, and it's going to be much more easy. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be... You're going to have an A-minus. Covered, though, right? What? I've already got two-thirds of my yeah, yeah. exam covered. So, you can, so at least I'll pass. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah, you'll get an A minus if you. Yeah, uh, you get like say a B, B A, B to A minus. So what are you? That's do? a pretty wide range. <laughs> B okay. plus. I'll take my chances on the two hours thing. Because I right. really want my so, sleep. All right. So uh, what did I say? Four, uh, four. Four. And it's a seven. All right. So your exam. You are ready for your exam. It's the end of the day, Sammy. You're in trouble, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, you are in trouble. I think we can, you can, you cannot escape going to bed at two at least. Uh, fine, it takes you two hours at least for each of the two parts that okay. are remaining, and okay. it's it's ten. Cool. Now, um, I'm giving you a chance uh, here. You can do one part now, one part for night, and go to bed at midnight, and wake up early in the following morning and do that thing. And you're doing then two rolls of five. Or you can try to do everything at once. And so same thing. You have to do more than nine. Jeez. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, go to bed. I'll work for a bit, go to bed, and then wake up at All right. So let's do first first chunk of your work. Five. Oh, it's a three. come on. So, Yo, so I got to right. stay up all night. So no, no, no. So you do your first thing. You can't work. So you go to bed. You wake up now the next morning, and you know you know what you you're actually feeling not that bad. You're waking up at six, and you're you're projected, You have your meeting with your supervisor at nine. Okay? Oh my god! So you have you have three <laughs> hours, okay, to finish your paper. I can paper. feel the palpitation here. So um, first, is there anything that you want to do that you think would boost your capacities to to pull through? That's a coffee, man. Yeah, probably. Probably just have a coffee. Just That's to, a good coffee? Yeah, even if it's like short term, I just got to get through the next three yeah. hours. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's say that. That's pretty good. You're, you're, you're boosting your, your, your abilities here. So now what's going to happen? Are you going to just do what you were supposed to do? And uh, so what you were supposed to do in the morning, knowing that you hadn't failed uh, the thing, so you would do just one more third and your paper would only be two thirds complete and, well, your supervisor will have to deal with it. Or are you just going all out, but the chances that you succeed are very slim. So either you do one roll of five and your paper is incomplete, or you do one roll of ten or above and your paper is successful. So, or if it's not, then you stay at one third. I'll just roll for ten. Let's roll go for big. ten. Going oh, all like in. Four. <laughs> Samuel. I mean, it's a good thing you rolled for 10. I mean, if you yeah, rolled for five... One third or <laughs> one third or two thirds, like, yeah, no, at least one, let's go for broke. Well, so uh, Sad goes into his exam, 
and uh, he got a B plus. So relatively nice. Congratulations, son. Why? I was thinking of an A. I aced my preparation. Nah, yeah, but you did, you did just the bare minimum. You didn't go above it. Yeah, you're like A minus. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. So, sure, but Sam, yeah, Sam, you're going, uh, meeting your supervisor, and he is not happy. Or she is not happy? Is it a he or he, she? He is not happy at all. And so, Pissed. do you punch him in the face or <laughs> do you apologize? Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, Apologize for okay, sure. you apologize. Let me yeah. see. Uh, four. four. I don't oh know. You had. God. It was easy to apologize. You would, you had to do above two. Oh, we need to end this episode. So he's saying, uh, <laughs> okay. He's saying, okay, Sam, but only if uh, you say that uh, Brad Santis and Where to Find Them is the most awesome podcast you've ever been a guest into. Uh, Go, Sam. Are you gonna do it? Say it, Sam. Yeah, I'll say it. Yes. Right, yeah. I'll say it. Shout out. Okay. Grad scientists and where to find them is the best podcast in the world. Awesome. I concur. <laughs> you didn't have to say that, but thank you very much. Well, so this you gave is me the a end. B plus, man. Come on. All right, I'll give you an A minus for that. Thank you. I bumped up into a grade. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys uh, for coming and uh, going through your day with me. Um, You're I hope you had thank fun. You. Yeah. I hope uh, you had fun listening. I hope you understood everything uh, that these guys said about. Uh, yeah, we're sorry research. if we were too technical, but you know that yeah. that's also part of the thing. I think what I really liked is that uh, the energy w- was flowing. I could see you could not see it as a listener, but you know the eyes were, the eyes were glowing, and it was yeah. a really, really pleasant, uh, pleasant thing to be in. So it thank you very much. Pleasure to be Thanks here. Thanks for listening, and uh, goodbye. 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 <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Subscribe. Download. Exactly. Subscribe to PewDiePie. (laughs) 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 TC.